0: Into the oh me, this. It's Wednesday the 20th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. I'm Chris Gale from the Dragoncast with Ferris and Gale. And here today I'm joined by co-host Shane Lee. Shane, how are you? Look, I'm good, Chris, and uh, and welcome aboard, mate. Uh,
1: I had a funny dream the other night, and uh, I sort of woke up in a bit of a sweat. That I'd actually, i have been a Mad Dragons man for, well, ever since I can remember, but I left the Dragons and I've become a rooster. And I was <laughs> and, and I was almost baptised by a good mate of mine, Luke Rickardson, who's a life member there at the Roosters. He was baptising me into, into the tricolours,
0: mate. So I don't know what that means. That's mate. not a dream, Shane. That's a nightmare, surely. <laughs>
1: Well, I know a lot of Dragons supporters are probably get, feeling the same way at the moment, but uh, hopefully not. But I think I'll be sticking with the Dragons.
0: If you can do me a favour, can you ask Luke how he feels about Big Tino third man in at the Origin, given that he missed a Grand Final for something fairly similar?
1: <laughs> I know, mate. It was, uh, it was a well. I, I said, uh, being a passionate Blues man myself, it was, uh, it was a hell of a game of footy. Some people thought it was quite violent. I thought it was a, a great spectacle.
0: No, it was one for the ages. Look, today on the show we'll be talking cricket, AFL, National Rugby League, and everywhere, much more. you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure then join the Osha group they exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth through a strategic well-managed and data-driven approach there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio find the Osha group online at theOSHAGroup.com. Okay, let's turn to cricket, Shane, uh, obviously your wheelhouse. Adam Zampa has revealed a game-changer for him ahead of the T20 World Cup in Australia this year.
1: Well, this this story makes me feel old, personally, Chris. I, um, I actually played cricket against his dad down in um, – He wow. played, his dad played for Arilla, where I grew up, down in Oak Flats, and uh, – Adam Zamper now a grand, uh, he's, he's a father, so his dad's a grandfather. So it's making me feel quite quite old. But yeah, it's a real game changer for him, head of the T20 World Cup. He's, um, him and his wife, Haiti, have had a, a beautiful little baby boy called Eugene. And, uh, as he said in the article, it's put in perspective um, into his into his cricket now. Um, he's currently ranked the number five T20 bowler in the world, so he'll be a key member of that Australian team.
0: It's interesting, though, isn't it? Do you put into your strategy, how do I improve my, my standard leg breakers to go have a kid, but um, it's obviously working for Adam. First game, 27th of October at the SCG in the final, where we hope Australia will be defending that title at the MCG on the 13th of November. Now, overnight, England were beaten by, I think, 62 runs by South Africa in the first one-day international, but it Mm -hmm. marked the retirement of England's Ben Stokes. Well, it's
1: funny, mate. We were just saying this yesterday, Tim Gilbert and I, uh, that the 50-over game or the ODIs are, are a real big part of scheduling for TV rights. But they take a, real, um, take a lot out of the players. And, and Ben Stokes has actually now retired due to, I suppose, the unsustainable scheduling of, of the, uh, 50 over cricket. So he retires now to focus purely on captaining the test side and playing T20s in and around the world.
0: Is this an evolution where if you're playing all three forms, perhaps financially, the ODIs is the one to go?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, mate, it's, it's the game that I played personally and I'd love to yeah. see it stay, but I just can't see how we can have all these three forms of cricket and, and keep the game fresh.
0: No, it's, it's sad to think that we'll only be looking at one World Cup in the future, and I hope that's not the case. Now, football, Australia's Sam Kerr has been revealed as FIFA's 23 video game cover athlete alongside Killian Mbappe from Paris Saint-Germain, but this is on a global scale. It's the first time, excuse me, there's been a... A woman on the global cover of FIFA. Now you'd be a gamer, Shane, wouldn't you?
1: I'm not a gamer myself, but I know that this is probably worth a lot of money to Sam Kerr. It's uh, it's FIFA 23. It's their it's their main game, and um, uh, Mbappe he's he's been on there a number of times now. The PSG striker um, and Sam sitting along that puts her up in you know that's where she's respected in in, in the game of football in the world. She's right up there and. I don't know what the number is, but I'm assuming she's being paid a lot for this.
0: You would think so. Look, Mm. I'm a Chelsea fan. She's won the last two Super Leagues and FA Cups with Chelsea. So maybe player of the year for FIFA and the Ballon d'Or is finally in Sam's future. Mm. We can only hope. Yeah. Now, speaking of football, former soccerer Tommy Orr has announced that he's quitting professional football at the age of 30. Any take on that?
1: Well, he came into the Aussie side at um, the age of 18 and was compared to Harry Kuhl. Mm. Um, he made 28 appearances for the Socceroos, but look, he played all over the world in, in his uh, – yeah. Pretty short career, really, at 12 years. He played in Holland, UK, Greece, um, and A League twice with, with two teams, but finally finishing with MacArthur FC. Look, yeah, he, he, was, a, he, was, a, he was a good player, um, but yeah, 30's pretty young. Although saying that, I, re- I retired at the age of 29, so I think you know when you've had enough, mate.
0: <laughs> well, maybe he's got, got to have some time to hang out with Ben Stokes. Now, stay with <laughs> us through this short break because we'll be talking AFL, NRL, boxing, and more. After- Welcome back to Afternoon Sport. Now, Shane, the AFL has announced a crackdown on playing for high free kicks. This has been a long-running debate about Jack Ginevan from the Collingwood Mm. Magpies who tends to duck or shrug his head going into tackles to draw the free kick. And they've put a... Uh, a change in the rules on this? Well, I can say, mate, this is now clear as mud. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I
1: mean, they, they're calling the Ginevan rule, really, as you alluded to, with Jack. and So what they're basically saying now is that uh, what Ginevan would do, he would drop his head in a tackle and then um, get a, get a free kick. They're saying that... In, in a, a contest, uh, when the ball is not in the hands of the guy who's attempting to get it, um, the duty of care lies with the tackler. Right. But once the ball's now in their hands, the duty of care lies with the person with the ball. So if they get smacked around the head, it's their fault. That's what yep. they're saying here, clear right. as mud.
0: Right, it was successfully lost me. It, it does remind me, though, of those old uh, atomic safety warning videos they used to make back in the 50s about duck and cover. Now it's not duck and shrug, apparently, if you want to stay on the right side of the rules in AFL. Now, um, I'm a struggling West Tigers fan, uh, Shane, so I can identify with what North Melbourne is going through at the moment. And they're mm. about to meet with the AFL, and this is something that we're not familiar with if you're a rugby league fan, to kickstart what's called a priority pick request in the upcoming draft, as I understand it.
1: Well, this is where the AFL are very smart, and I think they they do do it very well. Um, The CEO... Um, has gone to um, the AFL and requested early picks and the best draft picks as well. Um, and they do this really well. It's it's a big time of the year. They do this in the NFL as well. But you can strengthen, strengthen the teams down the bottom of the ladder to try and keep the competition closer and closer together. Uh, and I think it's a really, really good move from North Melbourne. They've had a shocking year. Um, they had a, a win once they got rid of their coach last week. But they're probably going to finish the season with maybe three wins. And, uh, yeah, yeah they, they need some fresh blood in there, that's for sure.
0: Well, I hope that uh, Andrew Abdo and Peter Volanis are listening to you, Shane Lee, Mm. about some ways to help get a bit more equalisation into the National Rugby League. Sticking with AFL, former Carlton defender Tom Williamson is now playing for North Melbourne's VFL team. He's not getting any guarantees. What's the significance of this?
1: Well, he's been flicked from Carlton. Um, I I think he's still got a bit of life left in him, um, Tom Williamson, and I think... uh, yeah, particularly with the defensive structure at North Melbourne, I think yeah, one or two games in the VFL, he could finish the season playing there. Um, so it's a good move from him. Uh, it's probably the last stop shop where you go, isn't it, uh, playing North Melbourne's
0: VFL team at the moment, but but so be it. Well, you might end up in Tasmania. Who knows? Well, one thing that surprised me there was they're saying that uh, North were looking for more mature players and uh, Tom was in that bracket. He's only 23. So that's how mm. youth-oriented the AFL is becoming. <laughs> now, to the NRL, you've mentioned your Dragons' nightmare overnight. <laughs> Obviously, there's talks going on at the moment or there was a board meeting with St. George Illarroa yesterday, but... The first news that came out uh, about the Dragons yesterday was the news that George Burgess has entered a rehab facility.
1: Yeah, he's um, he's trying to get his life sorted out, isn't he? So, And they're saying this has nothing to do with the um, sexual criminal case that he's yep. currently being or is currently facing. Um, this is uh, purely separate to that. He's entered a rehab um, facility uh, to try and sort his life out. Look, he's only played nine games in the NRL to date, um, I think he's a very talented footballer, but clearly got issues off the field.
0: I tell you, with the bird's there could be an opera in all this, I think. But it's, it's apparently season ending. He's unlikely to be back, but he only turned out four times for the Dragons. Did you get a bead on whether he was making a contribution?
1: Uh, look, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a talented footballer, but uh, it's hard to, with a small sample size, as you just mentioned, it's hard to really see whether he's got the goods or not.
0: The Dragons are uh, facing a clean-out with about half a dozen players off contract and potentially needing to be cleared. Uh, do you think that they should uh, start cleaning house?
1: Well, mate, they, they, they have to. And um, this is, I think, what's probably sort of uh, festered my dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the issue that we've got here, we've got Anthony Griffin, who I think will survive the board meeting overnight. Um, but you've got Jack DeBellin, Zach Lomax and Ben Hunt, Ben Hunt being the clear standout there. Um, all on big, big contract numbers, so they're unable to sign any new talent. They've signed no one for next year, mm. so they're just, just they're just starting to shed people off their roster, which is making it even more thin. So, like, we we lose one of those three. If we lose Ben Hunt, well then that's game over for another couple of years, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's the uh, the Dragons are not not in a great way. It hasn't been a lot of um thought um for the future here. We're just signing big big names and hopefully trying to get some wins on the board. And it's always a coach trying to keep their job, isn't it?
0: Speaking, yes, absolutely. And speaking of your Roosters nightmare, I was up at Central Coast Stadium last Saturday and, you know, Dragons fans were daring to dream at 20 all off the back of incredible work by Ben Hunt coming off Origin plus Cody Ramsey. Mm. The loss of sorely hurt, but it was really um, quite ugly at the back, back there. One of the potential moves in the time allowed in the calendar is Tarek Sims, who's going to the Melbourne Storm next year. There is some talk about uh, movements that would see Sims end up at the Storm and Nathan Brown at the Dragons. How would you see Nathan Brown fitting in? I think Cogram win.
1: Oh, oh Brownie's a mate of mine, so I'm a bit biased. I think I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's the type of coach you can sit alongside potentially. Um, uh, even, even, even another coach where he, he really gets the squad right and, and builds it for the future. Um, I think if Nathan Brown was involved in the Dragons right now, we wouldn't have these three big guys on contracts and everyone leaving and no young signings. Brownie would have had some young talent coming through.
0: Well, he says he wants to also help younger coaches not get mm. wrist in the future. And, and you might end up with Nathan Brown from the Eels as well, so it could be something. <laughs> uh, one other movement is Milford is heading north and is confirmed to go to Redcliffe. It's been a really, really tough journey for Milford since the 2015 grand final when he was a, a hairbreadth away from being the, um, the Clive Churchill medalist. Right move for Anthony, do you think?
1: Well, I think it's, it's it's a great great signing for the Dolphins. They've finally got a number six, so they've got someone to carry the beach ball around on, on, the, on the Dolphins' beak. But uh, look, I, I, think, I think it will be a good move for him. I just think um, the type of player that he is, having the guidance of a Wayne Bennett can only help his career.
0: I love the fact that Wayne will be joined in the septuagenarian coaching ranks by Tim Sheens next year. That's going to be quite a story, I think. <laughs> Now boxing tonight at the Horden Pavilion. It's a huge card. It's been dubbed the Battle of the Brothers. Nikita Zoo two and zero, is taking on Ben Horn. So they're the brothers, obviously, of Tim and of Jeff. Ben is four and four. He's a fairly late inclusion into this bout. Nikita's revealed a terrifying plan for what he refers to as the silence and knockout. Yeah, well he's had he's
1: had, as you said, two fights, two Two KOs, but they've been technical knockouts. He wants to put him to sleep. So no no uncertain terms. Interesting that uh, he looks pretty fit, Nikita, and, and very wiry. More wiry than his brother, Tim who's fighting um, Jamel Charlo for the world title in Vegas, I think, January 28th. So, look, lots of talent in that family. We all know what Costa was like. And, uh, yeah, this should be a good fight, but I think Nikita will win this one over Ben Horn. Well,
0: it certainly feels like Zoo. Now, you've got a friend of yours, Kate McLaren, up against Connie Chan, is that right? Yeah, she fights uh,
1: Connie Chan uh, four rounds in the welterweight division, and uh, she was on lunch with Lee, so go, Kate. And she trains with Jeff Fennick. is that right? Yeah, she does. She's, um, she's quite tall and has a good reach, and... Uh, She comes from a bit of a kung fu background. So Jeff was saying that her technique is a little bit different to the standard boxer. But, yeah, she's trained super hard for this. I know she's uh, looking forward to to the fight.
0: There's a bit of rugby league interest in the undercard as well. Ashley Sims, another of the Sims family, Mm. takes on Jessica Adams. And Justin Hodges is taking on podcaster Jordan Simmy. Does this see that he think if Hodges wins, he might call you out next show?
1: (laughs) There's no chance I'm getting (laughs) to ring with any of those football players, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> now, one thing that I'm really enjoying is the World Athletic Championships, which are being held in Eugene, Oregon. It's uh, on one of the cable channels, and I just tape it and come home and skate through to all the excitement. Mm. Uh, uh, we had Nina uh, Kennedy win a bronze medal for Australia in the women's pole vault early in the week. I saw this at the start of the men's 110 metres hurdles final. Devin Allen was disqualified. Now, he's going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. He signed a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. So this was his swan song. Again, someone retiring at the age of about 21 yeah. or something like that. But he was disqualified for a false start. Did you see what happened there?
1: I did. So generally a false start's when you take off before the gun goes, but there's, there's a point zero .01 rule where um, they believe that you, you don't actually break before the gun goes off, but they're saying that no one can react that quickly. So they disqualify you anyway, which is a bit harsh. I think if you can time it that well, um, that, that should be the rule. It's before the gun. But look, I don't think he's going to be too concerned, Devon, because he's off to, as you said, the Philadelphia Eagles as a wide receiver. So he'll be on a lot more money than he would have been getting running 110-metre tracks.
0: I mean, he was ruled out by one one-thousandth yep. of a second. Yep. And there were two of the women ruled out in the 100 metres in the lead-up to the final as well. He actually took it surprisingly well in the end, and they showed footage of him watching the race, and he was he was just counting the does. So uh, it was uh, Holloway who won the gold for the United States, and the United States have already won six gold and are leading the medal table. One of the greatest sprinters of all time is Jamaica's shelley Ann Fraser-Price, and she won the 100 metres earlier in the week. Qualifying yesterday for the 200 metres, something happened mid-race.
1: Well, she has a big green uh, wig Morton Bay fig on her head, and um, <laughs> she's, it's ridiculous how she's running around 200 meters. Well, the the wig sort of dislodged. She's running that quick, but during her 200 meter race, she still had the ability to, whilst running, fix the Morton Bay fig, and um, and still qualify for the <laughs> the World 200 meter Championships. Brilliant.
0: So- She's extraordinary. I love the fact she's got 10 wigs, apparently, that she chooses from. I, I just have visions of maybe back in the day, Mary McGregor going, look, I really need to change my look. And, that, and he should have spoken to Shelly. And there is a debate about who is the greatest of all time sprinting-wise because mm. winning 100 metres has her fifth world championship goal to go with two Olympic gold. She first won Olympic gold in 2008, and here we are 14 years later. By comparison, Bolt won three Olympics, three worlds, and he ran between 2008, and 2016. Shelly Ann is she the goat?
1: Well, potentially, and um, yeah. maybe she needs to run without the wig. And she will definitely be the goat, but, uh, <laughs>
0: well, that thing, well, this is it. she's got something in the back pocket. <laughs> that, thing's, that thing's got its own tax file number. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't really have back pockets in those uh, shorts they run in, do they? No, they don't, mate. Now, I believe you've got a war story for us, Shane. Yeah,
1: I do. This story is about a guy who played a few games in New South Wales, a guy called Scott Hookie. He was a bit of a, bit of a loose cannon in his day, um, He's got a lot of runs in the grade competition here for North Sydney, and they didn't pick him uh, when they should have, I thought, for New South Wales when we were playing games at North Sydney Oval. They decided to make his comeback game at the MCG. And basically, when he walked out to bat, the Victorians knew he was a bit of a loose cannon, had a reputation in that regard. Uh, Paul Rolfe ran to bowl the first ball to him and stopped halfway down his run-up, and he moved um, a guy called Simon Cook from mid-on to deep mid-on, back almost on the... Great Southern Stand boundary. He ran in halfway again, stopped again, and then moved him around another twenty meters. The third time he finally ran to bowl the first ball to him, Scott Hookie hit the ball straight down Simon Cook's throat at deep mid wicket. And when he walked in the change room, Steve Rickson said, What the hell was that about? And he said, When did he go there? <laughs> <laughs> Never played again. Never played again, Scott
0: Hookie. Yep. <laughs> I tell you what though, you mentioned the Bears there and uh, it's great that the Big Bash is going back to North Sydney Oval this season, isn't it? Yeah, it's
1: fantastic and its uh, it was always a favourite place of mine to play cricket. its uh, You feel like the crowd's right on top of you um, and you can get 10,000 people in and it's a fantastic atmosphere. Right,
0: the lesson there, just have a look at the yeah. field. Well, that's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe whenever you listen. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Shane.
1: Our fantastic sponsors, the Yosha Group. If you're looking for a racehorse, go and check these guys out online.
0: And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.
1: Building.
0: Resilience